Welcome in to the Austin Audible's podcast. Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on this post-game edition as Jared waves at the, uh, at invisible the camera. camera. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I don't know how to explain this one. Oregon needed to score multiple times in the fourth quarter. They scored 29 points. They come from behind to up to almost an upset, but it feels like one. Washington State, 44-41. Oregon was the favorite team, but there's a lot to break down. Bad plays, heroic efforts, um, just an overall, this was a damn good football game by two really good teams, and it's unfortunate one of them had to lose, unfortunately. We're talking this about this in the walkover. I can't think of a crazier Oregon win in quite a long time. Yeah. Probably not since, was that ASU? Long time ago. Oh yeah, with Vernon Adams. That's a good VA, one. We yeah. forgot about that one in terms of the, that wasn't. Yeah, that was pretty. Sad. That was, was an overtime walk off rally. One, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure which one was crazier. That was 2015. Um, Herbert or not Herbert? Mariota's game winning drive against Oregon State in 2013. That was a good one. Yeah. That was a crazy one. Um, but yeah, it's been a while. It's I up mean, there. Let's okay. Let's let's just break this down. Where our confidence level was. I I tweeted out with like six minutes to go after Oregon was stopped on that was a three and out and yeah. had a punt. I was like, there's just not a lot of time. Doesn't feel great. Doesn't feel like it's gonna happen. And then Oregon scores a touchdown with Cam McCormick cuts it to one score and it's kind of like maybe 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 everything has to go right and then. They get the stop, which is step one. They get the stop as they're walking on the field, by the way. We should note that. It was pretty cool being field level for this. Yeah, very cool. Uh, I mean, we talk about this being one of the best games in a long time. This is probably the first one I've been on the field and kind of just saw everything happen first person, like right there. And the plays that were made down the stretch were incredible. But just to kind of go back to my point, it was like, even when Oregon scored on the Troy Franklin 50-yard touchdown, there was like a minute 21 to go. Washington State's two timeouts. Yeah. Oregon's only up three. Felt like they scored too fast. Yeah, kind of feeling like a little oh, bit. I, I don't know, man. This is like I'm not super confident. Oregon's, Oregon's defense had been pretty dicey at times, and then Mace Funa with the best play of his collegiate career, pick six. Feels like it ices it. It does, but then Washington State still scores again because hey, if you bet, <laughs> why not? <laughs> if you bet this game, you've had nine heart attacks and like. 30 seconds because it was <laughs> you were no 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 way you were going to win this game. Oregon was down like what 13 12. points, 12 points, uh, and then it was like oh my god I'm going to win the bet because the line was six or six and a half seven, and then at the last second uh, you lose. So sorry, <laughs> tough day. Sorry for those who bet on Oregon to win. Tough day. Um, I uh, I don't really know where to begin with this one either. We got down onto the field as Oregon was making their defensive stop, like Eric mentioned. Um, from there, it just kind of felt like a blur while also lasting nearly 30 minutes of actual time in real life. Yep. Um, I mean, the, the, the Bonix, the, or the Bonix conversion, we'll get to him just overall in, in a second, but Outstanding. Troy, Troy Franklin on the 50 yard touchdown, seeing that on the field was, was great. It was a great environment. The Ducks fans really started to make noise. Um, the Mace Funa pick six really just came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I think, the first down. Uh, Ward threw it out just because he was rushed. Uh, something we'll, I'll, I'd like to talk about later as well. But yeah. and then all of a sudden, you looked up on second down. Ward dropped back, and then boom, interception. And Mace was just walking into the end zone. Um, just a crazy game. I don't like. I'll have to rewatch this one a couple times to really get what uh, what happened in the last five minutes. But uh, Oregon walks out of here with a win. Something I don't know if any of us expected. They're three and one when they're down by twelve. I mean, you scored twenty nine points in the fourth quarter. That's just bonkers. After scoring, what is that? 
15 all game long. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And over 1,000 yards of combined total offense. Both quarterbacks combined. Really good. Just 20 incomplete passes total. Yeah. And most, you yeah. know, probably half of those for both of them were, were throwaways. Throw it's not like they were bad passes. Yeah. I, honestly, there were two really bad plays made by quarterbacks. Both for interceptions, both were for pick sixes. Yep. yep. And uh, it kind of just dawned on me that was the truth. That was the case. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Two of both teams had pick sixes. Um, Bose felt really bad in the moment, really impressed the way he bounced back. Unfortunately for Ward, there wasn't enough time to really make a, a bounce back. But I, I can't, he still kind of did. He I mean, they still had them to they still had the drive, drive. But they still, I mean, I got yeah, yeah, yeah. But my, my point is, like, I, I thought this was one of the better combined quarterback games I've covered in a while. I mean, you look at the numbers. This is not quite like Pat. Patrick Mahomes versus who's the other who's the Oklahoma quarterback in that one? Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Baker, yeah, in like it's not sixteen. Yeah, it's not quite that level Stupid. statistically where you have like a million yards passing, but Bo has a career high four twenty eight. Cam Ward has a probably close to a career high. Well, it's definitely an, at Washington State high, high of three seventy five because coming in his high was two ninety nine. I don't know about stats in the FCS level at Incarnate Word maybe, but for both of them, I thought they were tremendous and I mean gamers, absolute gamers. Nick's I think. Maybe we just talk about that him right now because yeah, I there's you know when Bo transferred here it was you weren't super excited I wasn't super excited Matt I think you were lukewarm but not super not like jumping for joy about yeah. it just because the perception was makes great plays but the nickname Bo Picks is out there for a reason and mm-hmm. I thought the way he battled throughout this one they got down he made one really bad play that cost the team other than that not a lot you can point to to say ah it was his fault. And just the way he executed down the stretch, and they talked about it after the game, Troy Franklin and Bo Nix, kind of what the diagram, kind of what went behind that 50-yard touchdown. The play prior to it um, was one route, and the defense covered it a certain way, and Troy kind of, they didn't even have a conversation. This is what I was, that this was, was the crazy was part. kind of crazy. And they just kind of like instinctually communicated to each other like, if, you know, and maybe it's just more of a read of like, if the it was safety the read of the defense, opens really. his hips up, I'm going to have the open, you know, the middle part of the field is going to be open. They're playing cover zero is what Franklin it, said. Exactly. And there's no, yeah, there's no, there's no safety really help there at all. And he makes the move. Nick puts it on the money. Franklin catches it, breaks tackle, gets in the end zone. And it's a touchdown. And I thought that was a fantastic play, but just kind of all the stuff that kind of goes behind it speaks to the veteran leadership of Nick's, the way he kind of is, is, is cool under pressure, even though his reputation coming to Oregon was, Maybe he wouldn't be based upon the. I mean, we ran through the splits coming in. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. He's not. He's not good on the road splits. Well, how about thirty-three for forty-four for four twenty-eight, three touchdowns in the pick? I take that. I would too, with a one seventy-four quarterback rating, nearly one seventy-five. Uh, yeah, he was just tremendous today. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, we'll go back in time and in January, whenever he committed here, just lukewarm on it all. But he's been otherworldly at points for Oregon. Um, his stats this season are just significantly better than any other season he's had. Yeah. And a quick digression, just holy cow, is Kenny Dillingham really good at calling plays? He's got just some, Except for in the red zone. Except for in the red zone. With we'll the get to that. We'll get we have to, to that get to that. But, man, are they creative. Yeah. It's a fun offense to watch, and Nick's at the helm of it is also very fun to watch. He's getting a lot of just open looks, and that is in part to... Oregon's depth at wide receiver this year, where a lot of guys caught passes today. You had three guys nearly over 75 yards. 
Um, this goes to their offensive line, who is now allowed not allowed a sack for yep. four straight weeks, yeah. which is very impressive. Mad impressive against this um, defense. Yeah, especially against this defense. There were points, but Knicks, as a veteran quarterback, did a really good job of stepping up and throwing the ball away. Um, I was going to go somewhere else, but now I can't. Um, <laughs> you can. I can, but I can't remember what I was going to say. But, oh, I got it. The fourth down and two pass to Bucky Irving really over the can. middle, oh. that was an absolute threat. It was just beautiful, and Oregon does not win that game without that pass. Um, for the, the individual who, in my comments on Twitter, my mentions said, why did we run that play? It worked, but come on. Uh, it worked. Who it cares? Worked. It, it worked. <laughs> my response, it works. Come on. It was a it was a beautiful pass. It was. Can I grab that monitor from you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Here you are. It's about to die. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me either. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry about that. We had a tablet got left in here, but we'll, we'll continue, Jerry. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Live podcasting it's at its finest. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, yeah, Nix was just phenomenal today. And we'll get to the Dillingham play calling. Um, but uh, I, I thought other than the red zone, um, it was a lot of fun to watch. There's one thing I wanted to say about Nix. I don't know if we're ready to move on or not. I have another next okay. thing, too. But. I wish I had the yardage stats here, but I don't. It's too hard to add up in my head. In the fourth quarter with six minutes and 42 seconds to go, Oregon is down 34-22. He completed nine of his 12 passes, two touchdowns, mm-hmm. no interceptions, and I don't really think any of them were bad throws. Um, to Eric's point about the reputation of kind of cracking under pressure at Auburn. This was a game in which it was a perfect example to see if he'd learned from that, if he'd grown from that. Is it the same Bo Nix? And I don't I don't think he was phased at all by the moment. And he he looked like what you would expect a four year quarterback would look like that's a five star. He all his throws were on the money. Jared's comment about the, the one on Bucky. I mean, I, oh, it's great. I don't know how if people realize how hard of a throw that is because they're so spoiled of watching Herbert at Oregon and watching Herbert at the NFL level throw those dimes. Like that's not normal. And yeah. and what Bo did is pretty darn impressive. I I think this one goes a long way in Oregon's tally book, and it goes a long way in that locker room for Bo Nix because. Personally, and with this team, I haven't had any doubts about him, but it just shows that he, he can be the guy. Here was my next point I was going to make. When he transferred in the back of the, the head, it was, okay, he has two years, but it was kind of seen as a negative thing he has two yeah. years because that's going to delay a Ty Thompson or yep. a Jay Butterfield or now Dante Moore, the five-star. Now I'm kind of going like, I hope he comes back. If he comes back, like, all right. That means we're gonna, that'd be the first time we're going to have some quarterback continuity since Herbert. And I know we're going way down the line here, yeah. but I'm just saying, when a quarterback performs this well and kind of passes the eye test like this, I come away kind of getting excited about, like, there could be two years of this, and Oregon's offense could be pretty darn good for Yeah, I hope he entertains while. the idea. At, yeah. least, at least seriously entertain it. Nope. it. It didn't sound like coming in he would. Yes. Yeah. But we'll see. I'm just I just kind of putting that on the universe. Maybe it's not a bad thing he comes back, which I think a lot of people were not that long ago going, like, oh, I hope he's a one and done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, more positives, just uh, Troy Franklin. That dude. He's a dude. Uh, Chris Hudson had his had his best performance of the season so far. I think what he had, Eric? Five catches? 72 yards. Yep, 72, 72 yards. Chase Coda, 784, I believe it was. Dante Thornton had a 42-yard reception. Um, uh, Bucky Irving was really good. They didn't end up using him a lot in the fourth quarter because they just couldn't. But uh, for the first couple of quarters, especially in the first half, he was just an absolute animal. 
11 carries for 81 yards, and then uh, five rushes for 38 and a touchdown, and one pass for six for 18 oh, yards. Yes. Let's yeah, have this yeah, conversation yeah, yeah. that you it. and I talked about. What's that? And I think it may have been the second quarter or halftime. Is Bucky Irving the best running back Oregon's had on roster since Bryce Freeman? He certainly yeah, passes the eye question. test. I don't know the answer to that. I, I, I'm actually curious on feedback on that because I think it's hard, you know... It, I liked watching CJ run. I loved the way Travis played last season. Um, Bucky's very unique, and there's more wiggle, there's more ta- break tackle ability, and maybe a little bit less home run threat because he hasn't really broken one yet. That doesn't mean he won't, but, I mean, this guy in between the tackles is special. What's that? He's like a really interesting mix of both Verdell and Dye. Yeah, a little bit. He, he can, loves he contact. He can break tackles like Verdell, but also wiggle out of them like Dye could, and he's you know all like 5'10". 5'11". He's like an actual size running back and not kind of kind of tiny. And he's built like a horse. He's I, huge. I, I love the kid. I just I, I walk away every game watching runs that look, they're five yards, six yards. And all I can think of is the last, I don't want to throw him under the bus, but all I can think of is the last four years prior is Verdell running into the backs yeah. of his offensive line and missing the hole or not being able to make the jump cut and turning a, a three-yard gain into a six or seven or an eight-yard gain, like we've seen with Bucky, and it's it's unfair to Verdell. He's a good kid. He he got That's hurt a, by injuries. He had great moments. Yeah, too. he That's had some really big order. moments. But I just goes back to what Jared said. I, this offense just feels night and day, and for the first time, unfortunately, it, you know, for a long time, I think we could, we've said it a couple times now, but. There's confidence that this offense can move the ball down the field and score if they get into this type of a situation. I didn't feel like that last year. No. I didn't feel like that in 2020. That's a lot of confidence. And in 2019 even with, with Justin Herbert. And no. it comes on a day, not to poke the ball here, but it comes on a day when Miami gets blown out at home and everyone and Van Dyke, the next Justin Herbert, as Crystal Ball has kind of labeled, got benched. And it's, it's just... You don't want to poke it. They're not connected at you all. You want to poke it. You like poking it. But We're poking it as we speak. at the same time, it's <laughs> seeing a competent offense is a game changer. Well, so the 624 yards of total offense are the most uh, since 2017, but that was against Southern Utah, and the most since uh, against an FBS team since Mark Helfrich. And so you notice that Chris Will didn't coach any offenses that have had more yards, and this is just game four. Yeah. Well, they only had... One more yard than Nevada in 2019. Okay, so it's very, very minor. Yes. But close. My, also my, my, against an F, a non-FBS school. Yep. FBS, but not Power 5, Nevada. Not Power 5, excuse me. Don't, sorry, Nevada. Don't insult sorry, the Ken, Will, Ken Wilson and Kai Arneson. And Kai Arneson. How dare you? I'm terribly sorry. I feel even worse now. That's Kai. I, I um, just had one final running back thought, and then we should probably talk about some yeah. of the defensive stuff. And then we might want to we might want to talk about some of the not-great stuff, because there was quite a bit of it for a long mm-hmm. part of this that game. That kind of goes with the defensive stuff, right? Uh, but some of the offensive stuff, not a good execution. Really. But what I wanted to say was that... Um, it's wild we're at this point in a game where it feels so good about the running backs where Byron Cardell doesn't play. Yeah. Made the trip, but didn't play. Noah Whittington, by the way, 11 carries, 69 yards. A sneaky stat line. I looked at that and was like, wow, I didn't realize he was that productive. But to me, it feels like this running back rotation is this is two weeks in a row against better competition, and we kind of are seeing what it is. Bucky's your lead guy. Whittington spells him and gets about the same number of carries. They're almost rotating drives for the first half. Jordan James, first touchdown as a duck, by the way. He's a short yardage guy. That's all he plays. He's only yeah. on short yardage downs almost exclusively. And Sean Dollars came in, had three targets, 
And I think they're all on third down. And they're all on third down. That's what yep. I was going to say. We, you got so Irving is your is your Irving and Whittington are going to be your first and second down guys. And if it's short yardage, James comes in. If it's a passing situation, Sean Dollar. So I'm sure there's some overlap in terms of the third down stuff, but that's pretty much what it is. So I don't know if it's going to be that way every week when Carbo gets back. It might shift around, but. We last, don't know the, if Carlos hurt or not. The last two, well, he's been hurt. He's, he's been hurt, hurt, but we don't know if he was clear or not. He suited up. He True. Was, he was here. But just saying, two games in a row, been a very similar script with the right back, which is kind of notable. What's wrong defensively? Uh, t- uh, the missed tackles are back, everybody. Yeah, um, it was bad, and I give a lot of credit to Cam Ward. He's good. He was really good, and he was very elusive. However, there were a lot of opportunities for Oregon to make a 15-yard gain, a six-yard gain. Yep. And that is a, a real issue, and they don't track uh, missed tackles here on these stats. Eventually, I don't know how we'll find that information out, but one day it'll pop up on Twitter. Um, Maybe PFF will have it. Maybe PFF will have it. Jeffrey uh, Bossa led the way with nine tackles. Him and Noah Sewell were tied. Um, uh, hey, Justin Flo. Justin Flo was at what? Seven? seven? He, had a, he had a pretty good game. He didn't play a ton. He was out for a lot of the first half. No, half. he played He played th- down towards the end of the game. At the end, end of the game, he was making plays. Yeah, he had a big yeah. play. Um, I'm sorry. So just to – but we don't have missed tackles, but yards after – Yeah, 358 uh, out of 375 after yeah. – it's very and, much like the Georgia game. And can I, 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 I'm going to be honest here. I, my mind can't get around this stat for the Robert, Robert Farrell. Eight catches, 50 yards. How does he have 133 yards after contact? After the catch? Because it's all screen stuff. But how does he have 83 more yards after contact? After It's pretty impressive. After the catch, sorry. But still, after the catch, he has I'm not eight, sure that, 83 more. I don't think the math works on that. I just don't think that works. Sorry, that is a slight digression. I, mean, I was trying to look at it going like, but to your point, remember the Georgia thing? That was the yeah. thing we pointed to was Huge. how many yards. Same issues. Came uh, back. Yeah, Washington State did the same exact thing that Georgia did, more or less. Just a lot of counters, a lot of slip screens, a lot of in the flats. Um, Oregon did get better at one point, but when they really needed a stop, they physically really couldn't bring down Cam Ward. <coughs> and he was running free at points. Um, he was also just incredible in the third quarter, like the, the Marcus Mariota Michigan State flip pass thing. Yeah, awesome play. Unbelievable. Um, I came into this game not knowing what I'd expect from him, and actually that Oregon defense might do well. Uh, he's good. He's really good. He's going to be an absolute terror in this Pac-12 for another year. I think he's got one more year until he goes yeah. pro, and he should probably go pro. He's, so, he's a sophomore. He's got only two years of college. Um, Secondary got picked bad again. Bridges, in particular, yeah. again got picked. I don't know. It's four games in. It's the third of the season. I don't know if they have a solution for, well, they didn't, for their problem. They didn't really play much of Florence or Manning in this game no. at all on scrimmage plays. They basically relied on him. He did have an interception, which was crucial. I think, yep. I think Washington State's offense did not stretch the field vertically. And I think the lone... That's maybe a mistake by their part. Maybe, but it, it, it worked for mm-hmm. going in the flats. So for Bridges and, and Gonzalez, the two plays they really got beat deep on were the one where they were looking at the sideline for the play call. It was, yeah, it was bad. Which was bad. It was basically a replica of the Ohio State issue last year. Mm-hmm. And then the, the very first play of the game, which was a flea flicker. And yep. I, yeah, that's right. So I think, I think Bridges and Gonzalez probably had a good day on paper just because they weren't thrown at. And, but there were moments where Bridges was... Actually, he was good. He had his interception. He broke up two screen plays. 
Uh, I don't know if he got any tackles for losses for those, but he had half a tackle. For he us. had half a tackle for loss. I thought he was good at points, and same with Gonzalez. But um, there weren't a lot of moments to really pick I, on I, him. But the linebackers. I think. Uh, I just think this is a problems. weird game to look at because there was like Washington State could not run the ball at all. Not at all. Like, Oregon Oregon's run defense is, is legit. I think, and we know this Washington State run offense isn't great, but like still they've done a great job. I mean, twenty five carries, fifty three yards. Some of that is sack stuff where yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of it evens out, but it's still probably about 80 yards of total rushing if you take the sack stuff out. Um, secondary didn't get deep, but they got obliterated along with the linebackers and some of that mm-hmm. stuff in space and all that screen stuff. And then I asked Lanning about it. I think it's notable. Some really dumb penalties that allowed Washington yeah. State to extend their drive twice to two scores. They had a kick catch interference by a freshman. They had a... Was it DJ who got piled on and then he reacted, yes. retaliated, yep. Yep. and then you had Dorless and DJ again on the on the next drive hitting Ward in ways that were deemed. Which DJ, by the way, gets ejected and will have to, I think, maybe miss the first half. Someone told me that that rule is gone for the second half. They got rid of it, but I want to have confirmation on that before we. Yeah. But either way, either he, way, he, he got ejected. He, he had two sacks. His best game. And it was very evident. I think you, yeah, you asked it. It was very evident. Dan was not pleased no. with the officiating. And he towed the line the best he could because you can't be critical of it because you get he fined was, for it. He wants to keep his money. Um, but he was very pointed about, I'm eager to, to have some conversation, get feedback of why certain calls were made. He, you could tell he was not happy with some of these things. And the DJ one in particular, I don't know how you play football if you can't do what he did. He hit him right in the chest. And not to, because this, this was a lifetime ago, but the weirdest sequence I've ever seen in a college football, yes. high school football, NFL yes. game. Good Lord. Where they, we were arguing in the press box, like, wait, no, I think that you were like, I think it was fourth down. I was like, I don't know, was there a play? And we were, both, we were all kind of confused because nothing made sense. And then they reviewed it for 10 minutes. And then they were like, you know what? After they punted. You know, Washington State did this punt thing. Let's pretend like that didn't happen. Now it's second down. Uh, let's give them the third down. Let's give them the ball back and let them do this thing. I've never seen anything like it. We asked the NFL scouts who are seated right next to us. Have you guys seen that? Everyone was like, I don't know what the hell is going on. No one in the press box knew what was going on. Typical. And, and it was one of about five moments where you're just like, I don't what the hell is going on here, guys? I have a, I have an update on the, the targeting call. Oh. Um, uh, the new rules uh, in games that have instant replay when a targeting foul occurs in the second half, the carryover penalty of sitting out of the first half of the next player's game will be eligible for further appeal. So they can appeal for it. The process oh, will begin with a okay. conference submitting a request to the NCAA National Coordinator of Officials who would review the video of the play. So DJ Johnson will have to There's have a follow-up follow for Monday with Dan. That's going to be awkward with the Pac-12 because they have to submit the request. Did we screw up here or are we in the clear and some oversight? Why can't this be... It's ridiculous. This is stupid. I don't want to go down that path. Right, but anyway, <laughs> we'll learn on Monday. Maybe we'll, yes. maybe we'll have an answer on Monday from Dan. Because that, but that, but that, if that, if he does, that that lingers a little bit. That's your yeah. best pasture. And he had two sacks, which maybe gets us to the good defense stuff. Okay. Or is there more bad defense stuff? Well, uh, no, I think we've ta- uh, we've covered it or not tackled it because that's the issue. They, that um, was the problem. <laughs> well, yeah, let's, we can jump well into the good stuff. Um, yeah. Four sacks, eleven tackles for loss. Really, that's pretty darn good. That surpasses the season totals in any of those stats coming in. I think yeah. all three of us said they'd get more than two sacks in this game, and they didn't. You hit yeah. your. I hit a lot. You hit DJ on your two. I, I did. Hit. I had. Kind of, I don't kind of brag. I think I nailed everything besides the margin. And if Oregon had covered at the end, I would have had a five, a five for five day. 
Very good. I've had a five for five day. That's Scopoldamas for you. There you go, guys. I was 0 for 10 to start the year. I'm back. That's why we pay him the big bucks. Yeah, pay us some bucks. So, yeah, Noah Sewell came out and had had his, I guess, I don't know what to call it, his breakout game of the season so far. He had nine tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, and a sack. Which Dan, Dan Landing says he doesn't believe in stats. Dan, Dan uh, did not appreciate my question there. No. Not a, not a stat head. No. Um, I, was, I was like, did, did Noah have a good game based on the stats that he did? And he was like, I don't really like stats. And I was like, shit, sorry. Yeah. Probably not a, not a baseball fan. Sorry, um, sorry, Dan. It was great. Uh, they, they were able to apply pressure. They had this very interesting scheme for most of the game. They played this 3-3-5, basically, yeah. with, with two, deep, two down linemen and an edge rusher, either DJ James or Mace Buna. Three linebackers, DJ DJ, excuse me, DJ Johnson. We were talking about DJ James earlier. Three linebackers with Jeffrey Bassa, usually Noah Sewell and Justin Flo, or LeDuc, you know, three linebackers and five defensive backs. And because of how well three linemen or two down and one edge were able to control the running attack for Washington State, they were able to sit in this package all game long. And while it didn't really work tackling wise, um, it did work in terms of rushing the quarterback and getting someone free up the middle. Whether it's Justin Flo or it's Sewell or it's Jeffrey Bossa off the edge with his speed. Um, the only problem was they couldn't corral. They couldn't tackle they could, Ward. They could not. Con- they could not keep contained. You know who was really frustrated about not tackling the quarterback? Washington State. They had seven quarterback hits, but yeah. no, no or hurries, but no sacks, which is. Wild. And that's what we said going into the predictions was that I said they wouldn't give up a sack, and it was because of the escapability. You nailed that one too. Of yeah. Bo Nix, and I, I think that just goes. Not, we're on defense, but that just goes to say about his level of play. Um, we are speaking of defense, and the Cougars. We said it was a show me game for, for this defense, and boy, same thing for Oregon. I mean, yeah, eleven tackles for loss, four sacks for the Ducks, more than they've had in a game. More sacks than they've had on the season, I think. Yeah, all of that was more than everything. And then on the flip side, no sacks when they had 14 coming into this one yeah. in three games. They had 30 tackles for loss, and they only got seven in seven, this one. Seven is still good. Seven is still pretty still good. good still a big number. Yeah. But they also gave up over 600 yards of total offense. Yes. Um, Oregon also gave up 29, 29 points in, in, in a quarter. Oregon also gave up 428 yards of offense. Um, third down defense, which is a stat that um, Matt had asked Landing about. Washington State, 5 for 12. That's pretty good. I'll take pretty that. Good. Under it, 50%. It, it, it felt worse. Under for, under 50%. It yeah, it did feel worse. Um, the I don't know how to feel about Oregon allowing, what was, what was it, 425 yards total offense? 424. Um, 428, sorry. When, like, 90% of it was to one person. Yeah. Ward had 375 yards passing. I, I don't like. Obviously, the bad thing is that he had that many yards to begin with, um, and that Oregon secondary and, and middle linebackers were kind of exposed at points. But again, to allow your opponent to like two yards a rush or a little under two yards a rush is still really damn impressive. I have one question. Uh, we can end it with this if we want. I have one other. Okay, thing I want go ahead. Oh, do I, I just think we do have to finish at some point talking about some of the negatives. We just talked about the defensive ones. The offense in the red zone. This goes into where I was going. Was it? Okay, cool. So good. Nice. Uh, the first first half was jarring because Oregon had 321 yards. Oh, God, they almost had exactly the same yardage total in both halves. 321, 323. Sorry. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I like stats, Dan. Sorry. I, I, I'm, I'm interested in this. this is, I'm geeking out. But they had four drives. All of them went more than 60 yards, I want to say. 65 yards. At least one of them was 62. 
Yeah, I think 62 is a low, the, the slowest number. And to have 321 yards of offense, no touchdowns, nine points is really, yeah. I think, somewhat of a concern. Obviously, second half much better. You'd like to see that. Um, I thought some of the play calling was not ideal. There was just some odd choices made. Regardless, execution of the red zone on offense, to me, is the big takeaway for the offense that needs to improve. The rest of the field, they were incredible. I love the play calling up and down the field. But between, just I mean, honestly, just inside like the 10-yard line, things kind of got stymied, got a little ugly. Washington State did a good job in space of making plays, finishing plays, of being aggressive. But I think if I'm coming away with what, that's almost only, the only negative I have offensively. They, oh, they yeah. threw the ball. They ran the ball. They caught the passes. They, they had great quarterback. They protected the quarterback. Distribution to receivers. They didn't rely on one dude. They, threw, they had uh, four guys have or five guys had more than five targets or five targets or more. I mean, all sorts of things you love. I just think the one thing was red zone offense in the first half in particular it was better than That's second. That's, That's the one thing on offense. Defense, you've got more concerns. I still think. I uh, the red zone stuff. Is it? T- Dillingham being too cute because just off the top of my head, the first time uh, they went QB sneak on like a second and two, which is, feels really weird, or second and goal from the two, which feels really weird. First and goal, first and goal which yeah. feels really weird. Um, they did a a screen pass, a tight end screen to McCormick, McCormick, and then a pitch to to, to, the, to the short side of the field. The third, the second time they were down there. Um, they got a penalty yeah. on a false start. That's that's happening too often. They're they're putting themselves in tougher situations. They get five yard. They face first and goal from the five. They get a five yard penalty. They gain five yards on the first play to on a, another tight end swing pass. Uh, would have been a touchdown because it would have been five yards. Uh, and then they, um, I think they ran the ball twice. And it didn't work. Or they, they lost the yardage on a screen play, and then they lost yards again on a third down run play. Um, is it is it Dillingham being too cute, and we you just live with it because like Jared said, the offense is phenomenal between the twenties. Yeah. Uh, or, or is this a, a big issue? I don't know what the the answer to that is, but it's weird. I think in twelve plays inside the ten yard line, they threw the ball beyond the line of scrimmage once in the first half total in the, in the game. game. Uh, no, twice because they had the Camel Cormac touchdown. Right. Um, that's to me that that's like the only concern you have with Bo Nix is they did not try to throw the football towards the end zone when they got inside the ten. When the field got condensed, they I don't know if it was Dillingham being too cute or if they don't trust Nix in that type of a situation. I don't know what the answer I is. Guess. It's interesting. I think a third option just to give some credit to Washington State's defense for being pretty darn impressive in a couple of those early spots in terms of the quarterback sneak. They did it against BYU last week and it worked. worked. This time Washington State just blows it up and they just destroyed that play. And they tried a couple of these screen things which are working the rest of the field. Washington State all over it, nothing going there. I think the fact that they kind of relied upon so much screen stuff, I'm with Matt in terms of like, I would have liked to see them just Run the ball, maybe. Just run the ball between yeah. the tackles. It works. Or or throw to Terrence Ferguson, who's been a great red zone target. I don't think he had a, a target in the red zone. He had, the game. Red zone. Yeah. Well, he he had, had a couple had... in the game, but not in the, yeah. in the yeah. red zone. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, he did I, have a screen pass in the red zone. He did. You're right. So. And it was an ugly one. But, no, I, I just think uh, I, I, I thought that was the one dicey part for me offensively. I, and I, I want to give Washington State some credit. I also think Kenny's an offensive coordinator. kind of learning this stuff. And 
I'd, I'd, I'd love to I talk to him. I wish we could get an opportunity because I'd, I'd like yeah. to pick his brain. I kind of. Yeah. We won't talk to him until December. Yeah, we're probably not going to. Hey, remember that game in late <laughs> September? What, what, what happened there? I just would be. I mean, maybe we can ask him how he's evolved as a coordinator of the Red Zone if it gets better, which I think it will. But I guess I, I do have some similar questions, concerns on, on that part of the field for what they were doing. Uh, we have we have questions and concerns today, and that's because it didn't work for the most part. But I don't think we've had questions or concerns about it before, except maybe after Georgia. And I agree. Like, I didn't really like the play calling today. I didn't mind the QB sneak from the two because it worked last week against BYU. It's a tricky play. Washington State blows it up. Um, Washington State did really well side-to-side inside the 10-yard line, while on the rest of the field they were pretty bad. So I don't blame Kenny Dillingham for going for it on those particular plays. I'm with Matt and Eric where I would have just liked to have seen Marquis Irving get the ball and try to run it right up the middle. Yeah, um, you got to you. trust your offensive line. However, on the first series where they got back in there, they went jumbo package, and Jordan James got his butt handed to him <laughs> a couple times. So that, that hurt to watch. They got to throw out of that play, out so, of that formation. It well, was, and, they, and they did. They for did. The final touch to McCormick, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be fine. I think I think after sitting on it, at, at the very beginning, I thought that this was – Kenny Dillingham, what are you doing? After sitting on it for all of the game, I think Washington State just clamped down. I think that's all they did. I think they clamped down, and Oregon was still three for four on red zone with Nix's interception there. I thought that was just a bad decision. It was just a bad throw, and that was basically really his only bad throw of the entire game. So I uh, can't, can't hate too much there. It's a shame that it went for a pick six and 95 yards and really didn't do well, but... Um, again, you're three for four if you're Oregon. If you do convert those, all of them, you're it's 28 to basic uh, 28 to like 16, I think it is. If you add all of all of the stuff in for Washington State, you score 10 and is it 10 and 10? No, excuse me, 10 and seven. So it's it's 28 to 10 if Oregon converts into touchdowns all of those times. So it's tough to look at from that perspective, but I just think Washington State did really well. And I think it'll be fine moving forward. I think we can wrap it after this. One other guy deserves a shout-out. I know these weren't long field goals, but Camden Lewis. Money. Offensive first-half MVP. He hit all three field goals. They were all 29 yards or shorter, which is a problem. Because that (laughs) means those those drives are ending very close to the end zone. Which which they were. Hit those field goals. Hit the extra points. There's a level of reliability there. I love to – I mean, I don't – They all look good. All of them were clean. Like to see that. There's a couple of kickoff stuff, some punting stuff. Maybe we need to talk about in a future podcast. But I thought that was it was big that he hit those because if he misses one or here or there, the outcome is different. We're headed to overtime. We might be it's going to overtime. All. Oregon is now three and one. They're probably going to move up in the top twenty-five. Um, and as Eric and I heard on the post-game show from Washington State, as we were walking up here to the press box, the question again: just how impressive. Maybe people are overlooking Oregon because of how good Georgia really is, but they're averaging like 50 points, 52 points a game when they're not playing Georgia. Uh, They're averaging over 500 yards of total offense when they're not playing Georgia. Um, This offense is night and day. It's good to see. And if they can just shore up a couple things defensively, they could make that jump from being a pretty good team to a pretty darn special team. And that's what's going to you know, be the question moving forward is can, can they clean up some of these missed tackles? Can they develop a little bit more consistent of a pass rush? Uh, because the offense is there for them to be pretty good. Uh, exciting game. We'll have more of it on DuckTerritory.com. We'll have uh, Eric's game stories already up. 
Um, we're going to have video reactions. We'll have some sidebars as well uh, on DuckTerritory.com. So check it out. And until then, you've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.